Act Four of The Princess and the Butterfly, or The Fantastics, by Arthur Wing Pinheiro. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Fourth Act The scene represents a smaller room in the house of Princess Pannonia in the Avenue du Champs Elysees and shows from the windows the same prospect as seen in the previous act. The room is daintily decorated in white, and the furniture is charming and tasteful. On the left are double doors opening on to a passage, while on the right is a single door admitting to a bedroom. At the back are two windows, recessed, over which the curtains are drawn. The room is dully lighted. Ashes of a wood fire lie in the fireplace. Sir George Lamorant is seated at the writing table writing a letter. He is wearing a frock coat and a cravat which covers his shirt front. His shirt collar and cuffs are the only spots of white in his dress. Otherwise, he is entirely in black. Falding, Sir George's servant, enters from the bedroom, a lighted candle in his hand, carrying also a silk hat, an overcoat, and a pair of gloves, which he deposits in various places. Balding wears a white handkerchief round his neck in place of a shirt collar, and generally has the air of a man who has interrupted his rest and is going to bed again. Balding? Yes, Sir George? Attend to me very carefully. Yes, Sir George. This letter I am writing is to the Princess Pannonia. Yes, Sir George. I shall leave it addressed and sealed. Pulling out and closing a drawer which is in the table. In this drawer. Falding, arranging the overcoat over the upper end of the settee. In that drawer, Sir George. I don't anticipate that I shall be detained by the friend I am going to see. But should I not have returned by midday, I wish you to take this letter out of the drawer and deliver it yourself to the Princess Pannonia. Midday. Twelve o'clock, Sir George. Sir George, resuming writing. However, I fully expect to be back again by ten, eleven at latest. I am sorry to have had you out of bed at this hour, Falding. Thank you. Falding, taking his candlestick from the mantelpiece. I beg pardon, Sir George. Eh? I grieve to see, Sir George, that you are in mourning. We haven't got very much deep mourning clothes here, Sir George. Oh, it doesn't matter. Brushing a speck of dust from his sleeve. A mere mark of respect to the friend I am going to visit. Good night. Good morning. Good morning, Sir George. Oh, Falding, what did I do with the letter I brought home from the club last night? Falding, at the door. Letter, Sir George? I want to enclose it in this. I haven't yet emptied the pockets of your dress coat, Sir George. Ah, of course. It is in the breast pocket. Rising, stopping Falding, who is about to recross the room, and taking up the lamp. Uh, don't trouble. Get back to bed. Thank you, Sir George. Falding goes out. Sir George, carrying the lamp, disappears into the bedroom. 
The room is now in complete darkness. After some moments, Faye enters hurriedly, closes the door, and stands listening breathlessly. She is still in her domino. Suddenly alarmed by a sound in the passage, she utters a half-stifled cry of fright and crouches down in front of the settee. After remaining in this position for a little while, she turns her head sharply towards the bedroom door, as if startled by a sound coming from that direction. She rises, hesitates for a moment, then conceals herself behind the curtains at the window. Sir George re-enters, the lamp in one hand, a letter in the other. He replaces the lamp and lays the letter upon the table. There is a knock at the door. Who is that? Falding re-enters, candlestick in hand, looking a little scared. Hello? Falding, glancing round the room. I really beg pardon, Sir George. What? The most extraordinary thing, Sir George. On leaving you, I went along the corridor to the main staircase, not wishing my boots to be heard on the servants' stairs, there being no carpet. I had barely ascended two or three steps towards my floor, Sir George, when I detected a rustle. Shading my candle with my hand, I looked over and saw a black figure, a figure in black, Sir George, creeping up from below. Suddenly the figure catches sight of me and scurries away along the corridor. If it's all right, Sir George, of course I... I really beg pardon again. If what is all right? The figure, Sir George, it's in here. Here? I see it disappear through these doors, Sir George. Sir George, looking round the room. You must have been mistaken. Falding glances at the window curtains. Sir George goes promptly to the curtains behind which Fay is concealed, falding with less decision to the curtains at the other window. A hand grasps Sir George's arm appealingly. He closes the curtains sharply. Falding, turning away from the window. Nothing, Sir George. Sir George, coming to him. Uh, nothing. Falding, drawing his hand across his brow. Uh, I am extremely sorry, I, I'm sure. You see, you have been mistaken. Go back to bed at once. Don't disturb me again on any account. Falding withdraws dejectedly. Sir George stands at the open door for a moment or two, watching the man's retreat. Then he closes the door carefully. Faye! There is no response. You are at your tricks again, I suspect. Can't you show yourself? Faye, emerging but remaining at the curtains shamefacedly. Oh, yes. What is it you are wearing? A domino? Yes. Why? I am just seeing how I look in it. At half past four in the morning? Yes. Thank you. He returns to his seat at the table and resumes writing. Uncomfortably, she comes down to the chair and sits, facing the empty fireplace. I am not a liar. I have been to the ball mask at the opera house. Good heaven. Oh, yes, good heaven. Good heaven, good heaven. Heaven is very good, no doubt, but it does not provide me with sufficient amusement. 
With whom have you been to the ball? I shall not tell. He rises and approaches her indignantly. She says quickly, Vite Blancheriel. He pauses. I persuaded her. You will not give her away? No. Nor me? Nor me, eh? Sir George, sitting upon the settee, leaning his head upon his hands. No, Fay. I won't give you away. Fay, drawing a deep breath. Thank you. Twisting her chair round to face him with a restored confidence and renewed volubility. You see, I should have been home hours ago. Hours ago, you understand. But in the first place, our cochet was drunk. Oh. Be reasonable. You cannot expect a sober cochet at three in the morning. And in the second place, Blanche had made a stupid muddle of her arrangement for letting herself in. Had she indeed? And how did you get in, may I ask? The window, Grand Salon. The concierge? A very great friend of mine. Sir George, rising and walking about in a rage. <sighs> Poor little Monsieur Gantot, you will not give him away, eh? Sir George, returning to the settee and sitting again. Oh. Ah, it is I who should moan and groan to meet your fool of a man on the stairs at this hour and to be chased like a rabbit. Looking round. I knew I was at the door of your petite salon, but why are you up so soon? I, I am going to see a friend in the country, and I, I want to be back early. That's right. My lord, it is slow when you are out of the house. Leaning back in her chair and stretching out her feet lazily. Ah. After a pause. Uncle George, have you a cigarette to spare? He has been sitting in an attitude of thought with his head bowed. He is now staring at her feet. Just one, eh? Sir George looking up at her steadily. Faye? What costume has Miss Oriel worn tonight at the ball? Faye, unsuspectingly. Costume? Suddenly withdrawing her feet and laughing roguishly. Ah, I know what you are driving at. <laughs> you mean, what costume have I been wearing at the ball? Turning her chair away and huddling herself up in it. <laughs> When you have finished giggling rather insanely. Fay peeping at him over the back of the chair. You will not give me a vey. I have answered that question already. She slips out of her domino and stands up before him, posing herself with an arm upon the back of the chair and looking down upon him willfully. She is in the dress of Arlequin. Her mask and hat are suspended from her belt. He stares at her. Fay demurely. Do you like it? Sir George, with set teeth. You? You? He rises and walks away to the window. There he draws the curtains, opens the window, and looks out. The light is the cold light which precedes dawn. Fay with a shrug of the shoulders. 
angry? Don't ask me. Faye, after a little pause. Oh, I don't care. Everybody is against me, you know. Cocking her hat upon her head and adjusting it with the aid of the mirror. Non mi importa. Lasciatemi godere la vita. This world is made to be lived in. Trailing her domino after her, she goes toward the door. He turns sharply and comes down to her with a look in his eyes that is almost fierce. Sir George, laying his hands upon her shoulders. You fool! You fool! Faye, shrinking from him, crouching over the chair, frightened. Hi! You willful fool! You are intent upon driving every would-be friend away from you. The princess? The best of friends. What future are you storing up for yourself? The brightest chances are offered to you. All that is asked of you in return is that you should try honestly to subdue the instincts bred by a vagabond life, that you should at least imitate the women you have come to dwell amongst. You are clever. You can parrot and ape well enough when you choose, and you have known what it is to want. Gripping her arm and shaking her. And yet now, in your time of prosperity and plenty, you must needs be perpetually on the search for opportunities of degrading yourself, degrading yourself. Lasciatemi andere, lasciatemi. Releasing herself with a cry of pain. Oh. Facing him defiantly. No, no, no. I am too old to beat now. Sir George, going back a step or two. Beat? Beat. This is not the Porta Ticinese at Milan. Milan? There we lived. Phew. For a moment you made me think I was eight, ten, twelve again. Ah, your eyes looked like Flavio Zuliani's when he stood over me with his stick in his hand. You men are all alike. Bonsoir. She gathers up her domino and turns boldly to the door. He bars her way, standing before the door. Wait a minute. No. Let me pass, please. You have no right to behave so, though you are my uncle. Faye. Faye, tapping her foot upon the ground. Well? You are mistaken. We are not related, you and I. You are not my niece. You are not my brother's child. Faye, staring at him. What do you say that for? It is the truth. Listen, to begin with, Flavio Zuliani is dead. Dead? He died in New York. About five weeks ago. Dead? Flavio dead? Slowly she backs away from him and sits on the window stool below the table. Poor old Flavio. Laying her hands upon her breast and muttering, Ave Maria gratia plena, Sancta Maria Mata Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus nunc et in ora mortis. Flavio told me once he didn't want to die. He had a fall in the streets, and Erisipilas supervened. On his deathbed he made a confession to the woman who nursed him. 
she urged him to send a written statement with any proofs he could adduce to support it to his old confessor at the church of saint eustorgio at milan padre antonio entreating father antonio to put right as far as possible whatever wrong had been done i have been waiting to receive a communication from father antonio before speaking to you it reached me late last night well tell me my brother's daughter died a baby three years old in naples it wasn't convenient to zuliani just then to to forego the the turning away oh fill in the blanks child the allowance sir george going back to the window and looking out yes fay 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 but i am not fay who am i your mother was a niece of zuliani's is there anybody alive belonging to me no fay glancing at him then staring into space again and you you i am nothing to you now then we are friends friends of course you will continue to be fay and you must never cease to regard me as your friend taking up the letter he has brought from the bedroom father antonio's letter gives us your real name he stands at the table looking through the letter she puts her hand to her brow confusedly in doing so she touches her hat she takes off her hat looks at it blankly and lets it fall to the ground lucia bresca looking down upon her lucia it would be impossible the name her english mother gave my brother's little child seems to have been invented for you fay she raises her eyes to his then drops them quickly she is still holding her domino she now resumes it drawing it around her uneasily well i have had a very good time since i left flavio thanks to you drawing a deep breath everything comes to an end soon or late doesn't it to an end why what difference need this this discovery make to you eh except in regard to your relationship to myself all may be as before as for your future when i first projected going abroad i provided for that and while i live oh no thank you what do you mean i am lucia bresca now nothing whatever to you with an exclamation of impatience he turns away and paces to and fro i mean it i assure you i can always earn my living at the piano at the school you sent me to they told me that piano <laughs> fay leaning upon the mantelpiece with a little sigh i am sorry i was so troublesome at school does the princess know yes but she like myself has been waiting for father antonio's letter she also remains your true friend and oh my dear girl why risk losing the princess's good will by such outrageous pranks as this it was the thought of your egregious folly that made me rather brutal to you a minute or two ago 
play the piano, earn sixpence an hour at it? But don't trifle with such a heaven-sent gift as the Princess Pannonia's friendship. I gripped your arm very tightly, I am afraid. A little. I am like all even-tempered devils. We break out but once in ten years, and then... You see, I have really been angry with you ever since we came to Paris. You have been conducting yourself so exceptionally badly. My rage has been pent up until at last. But I hurt you. I have no excuse. I apologize, my dear. To me? Oh, no. Oh, forget it. Giving her the letter he still holds. You had better look through this letter at once. I am sending it to the princess. She takes the letter and begins reading it. I have some other letters in the next room, from the woman who was with Zuliani when he died. I'll give them to you. You can examine them at any time. Carrying the lighted candle, he goes to the bedroom. She is intent upon the letter he has handed her. To decipher it more easily, she moves to the front of the table and holds it under the light of the lamp. When she has finished reading, she sits in Sir George's writing chair, her elbow upon the table, her head resting upon her right hand, thinking. Her left hand, in which is Father Antonio's letter, hangs by her side. Gradually, her eyes travel to the letter which Sir George has been writing to the princess. She is staring at it as if fascinated when Sir George returns, carrying a little packet of papers. Sir George, blowing out the candle and replacing it on the mantelpiece. Here they are. Turning to her, realizing what has happened. Fay. Fay, rising, her hand to her brow. Oh. Sir George, going to her side, pointing to his letter to the princess. You have been reading that letter? My letter to the princess Pannonia? I saw some words. I couldn't help it. It is my fault. I ought not to have allowed it to lie here open. What are you going to do? Oh, what are you going to do? Take part in a most ridiculous ceremony, that is all. What a duel! A pretty duel. With Mr. de Maille. My dear girl, I shall be back again before you are out of your first sleep. Fay, gripping his arm. Sleep? I go to sleep, oh, suppose. Sir George, wincing. Ah, you are revenging yourself upon my arm. She leaves him, walks away unsteadily, and stands clutching the back of the chair. Fay, it is not at all likely that necessity will arise for delivering my letter to the princess. Indeed, I am most anxious that she should never know of this foolish excursion of mine to the Bois de Vassaine. You understand? I trust you. You have to keep this matter entirely to yourself. Yes. Sir George, giving her the packet of letters which he has brought from the bedroom. Take these and creep away to your room. The corridors will be full of daylight soon. Glancing out the window. Here is the dawn. Faye, turning her head towards the window mechanically.
Dawn. Sir George, looking into her face steadily. How pale and haggard you are. Some of you women squander your beauty, as some gamblers do their money, for mere excitement. You are rich. Don't play so recklessly, Fay. You, you rascal. He gazes at her lingeringly and silently for a moment or two longer. Then he rouses himself as if to shake off a spell and moves away to the table where he proceeds to enclose and to seal his letter to the princess. When, when are you going? Directly. I have addressed and sealed this letter. My window does not look out on to the street. May I watch you from here? Certainly, if you choose. Why are you meeting Mr. de Mailly? The quarrel arose out of his bringing a certain lady to Mr. St. Roche's, a lady I didn't care to have you thrown with. To have me thrown with? Me? Oh, then I am the cause. No, no. It was an insult to every other decent woman present, of course. I remember, and I asked him to bring that lady to Mrs. Santroche's box. Wringing her hands. Upon my word, I thought she was very nice. Oh, oh. He deposits his letter to the princess in the table drawer, looks at his watch, hurriedly places it in his pocket, and takes up his overcoat. She lays her hands upon the coat to assist him. No, no, please don't. She sinks onto the settee, burying her face in the cushion with a moan. Fay, Fay, I tell you that this meeting with Mr. Damali is the merest farce, a stupid display to satisfy a vain young gentleman who has been cut across the shoulders. Fay, suddenly turning to him and clinging to him, Ark, listen, I owe everything to you, all the happiness I have ever had. You took me from Flavio, a dog's life, a beast's life, and tried to make the world like heaven to me. And when you found out I am not related to you any longer, you do not want to kick me back into the gutter. You tell me this meeting with Damai is nothing. Very well, then. I tell you that if anything happened to you now... I should die. You ear? Die. No, you are not related to me. But wherever you are, and wherever I am, I shall always be your servant. You understand? Your servant. And you are my master? Falling upon her knees and crouching at his feet. I am grateful. I am grateful, grateful. Sir George, lifting her from the ground quickly. Fay. She sobs, and her head drops upon his breast. I am late. I must go. She slowly lifts her head. Their eyes meet, and then their lips. I will wave my hand to you. He takes up his hat and gloves, and without looking at her again, goes out. She stands at the open window, the light of the dawn upon her face. End of the fourth act.